Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. As we were worshiping, I kept hearing this over and over again, so I'm just going to say it the way I heard it. I hear the voice of heaven, and it sounds like one in the desert saying, come away with me for I have things you need to see. And I just kept hearing that over and over again. And I was like, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want a desert. But I realized what he was saying is, is I want to take you from where you are to somewhere else. But for you to get there, you're going to have to let go of something. And I don't feel like it's Egypt. I feel like it's the comfort of the known and the safe and the predictable and whatever that looks like in in my life and in your life because I I felt like this is for us that he came to make the crooked path straight. He's not intending for us to wander around. He's taking us from somewhere to somewhere as we're following him. there's, there's a desert time and that's a time of giving up what was and trusting him and only him for the sake of what will be. And I feel like right now is this just like a, a moment that we can choose as individuals to say, Lord, in my life, like whatever it is that you're asking me to let go of whatever it is that you're saying, I know that's comfortable and you could stay there. And if you choose to stay there, I'll still love you but you won't see what I want you to see. But if you come away with me, I have things that you need to see. So I don't know what that is for you and I'm not even fully sure what that is for me, but, but I wanna see whatever it is he wants to show me. I mean, I like what I see right now, but if he's saying that it's time to see something new or to see something different, I want to see that in my life. And so, and if there's something that he's been talking to you about, I feel like this is a word for you that maybe you've been kind of wondering or kind of feeling or thinking maybe, or maybe even your heart, you kind of know, but you just needed some confirmation of it that, and it's time. I don't know what that is, but the only way to see what he wants you to see is to leave where you're at and go where he's calling you. And that could be in a mindset, that could be in a relationship, that could be in a, a job, it could be in a habit. I don't know what it is, but he does. And I, I think you'd probably do too. So Father, right now, we just, I, I choose. God, just to whatever that looks like, whatever you're saying. I don't even know exactly what I'm saying yes to other than I know you're calling me into it. I want to see everything you want me to see. If that means stepping out of comfortable, if that means stepping out of routine, if that means stepping out of known, 
to follow you into a land that's unsown. God, where by faith, I have to leave behind the comfort of the known and just trust you in the unknown, God, then, then you have it. Yes. You know, God, we trust you. We trust your goodness when we can't see the whole plan. We trust your goodness. When we can't see the end, we trust the one who does. And just take the steps that we can take. God, I just thank you. I thank you for whatever it is that you're doing in our lives, God. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a bunch of people here. I turned around, they're all gone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't fully know what that is. And I certainly don't know what it is for you, but I, I, I know he does. And, and if you felt that, I would pray that we would never come and hear something that, that like encourages for a moment or that, that excites us for a moment or that we feel the Lord on and then just go back to life and not bring that into it. And like, just get alone with him. Like, there's nothing like just being alone with him when you know that like, I mean, he's always there, but then there's those times where it's like, I don't know what it is. Like John said, or Paul said, there was a man caught, I don't know whether he was here or there. Like, I don't know what happens sometimes, but I just know that like, when it does, it's always amazing. And it's not just for an entertaining thing or, or a good feeling. It's because, like, he wants something from me. And so, like, if that's you and you feel that, like, I would just encourage you to, like, wrestle with that and, and contend with that until you know what it is. Um, like, yesterday morning, I, I woke up at 4.15, which is a little earlier than I normally do, um, and I was laying there and, and I could go back to sleep. I didn't have to be up for a little while. And so I just laid in bed and closed my eyes and was just kind of trying to let my mind relax. And I just felt like the Lord said, I need you to get up. And so I was like, okay. So I just got up and I went and sat with him and just started praying in the spirit because I didn't know exactly why he had woke me up or what he wanted. And all of a sudden, this, what I'm about to preach just came flowing in and I was typing it out on my phone as fast as I possibly could. And um, then I had to sit with it and read through it, and I talked through some of it with Patty, and um, and I'm I'm super excited because I I think it's a story we've all heard, but maybe in a way we haven't heard it so many times. But man, I just know that like I can't find anywhere in the scripture where God leaves people in a life of comfort. You know, it's like the minute they would get comfortable with something, he'd be like, okay, now I have something new for you. And the minute they were comfortable with that, he'd be like, okay, now it's time for this. And the minute they got comfortable with that, it was like, okay, here's this. It was like, man, there was always things for people to do. They were constantly growing. They were constantly expanding in their knowledge of him and the revelation that they walked in. And as they did, more and more was continually asked of them because he's never come to make us comfortable. He came to make us like him. 
And, and like, that's, I'm not saying that's supposed to be miserable. I'm just saying that it's often uncomfortable when we feel like, okay, I've settled into what it looks like to follow Jesus and I have a good routine and life is good. And that's amazing. But man, I just promise you, like, if you've been there for a little while, like you're going to hear that little knock, that little tap from heaven saying, okay, I have something for you. I'm asking you to give something up. I'm asking you to think differently. I'm asking you to step away from something, whatever it is. Like, like he's just constantly calling us. And, and I mean that, like, like he's, he's not calling you out of your marriage. He's not calling you out of, you know, different things. I'm saying, like, no, the things that he's established for you, like, those things are, are steadfast. But it's mindsets oftentimes. It's like, okay, you've been thinking this way. And that's certainly better than you used to think. But I have a new way that I want you to see this. Or, or you've been doing this this way. And it's been amazing. And that was me, but now I want you to do it this way. And it's like, man, we always have that choice of, will I stay where I am because it's better than where I was? Or will I follow him to where he's saying, because I trust that like as much as this was better than that, that will be better than this. And oftentimes like he lets us choose. Like, I just kind of wish sometimes that like I could believe that if God wanted me to do something, I would do it no matter what. But the truth of the matter is, it's like he gives me a choice in things oftentimes. He's not a puppeteer in heaven, like, you know, steering me around. And even if I try to do this, he's going to make me do that. He's sovereign. And there are some things that he has sovereignly ordained. And and I, I get that. But I also know that within our lives, there is a lot of choice that we have. Of whether or not, like, and, and I honestly feel like the longer we follow Jesus, the more those choices stop being like sin and holiness or bad and evil and good and pure. And as it starts to become like good and better, like, like these things that are in front of me, the decisions I'm making or the, the things that I'm thinking or things I feel like he's calling me into. It, it's not like, okay, one of them's the enemy and one of them's God. And I got to figure out which one is which it's like, no, one of them is good and maybe was him, but this one is better and is him now. It's not so much of like, you know, trying to choose between good and evil. Always a lot of times it's trying to find what's the best in a world, like in, in, in a wide open field of the kingdom of heaven in front of me, what's him. And where is he today? And what is he asking of me today? Um, so if, if you feel that, like if, that, if, if you feel like that was for you or, or that's, you know, the Lord starts speaking to you about that, I just would encourage you, like, don't, like, don't wait. And don't always have to have it all figured out before you just say, okay, Lord, like, this is what I think you're saying. And, or this is what I feel like you're asking of me. Or this is what you're saying to put down. This is what you're asking me to pick up, whatever it is. And, and just say like, I, 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 you have my yes. I just need you to show me what's the first step. And so many times that first step is what shows us the next step. Remember, it's like Moses, like Moses, take off your shoes. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. God has all these things he wants to say to him, but it starts with a simple act of obedience. Moses, take off your shoes. Why? Because if Moses won't obey him and just take his shoes off, what chance is there he's going to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go? And I think so many times, like we're waiting for the word to say, go to Pharaoh. And we want the big, exciting word of go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And that word's waiting for our obedience in the little one, which is, hey, just take your shoes off. And we're standing there with our shoes on going, yeah, I, I mean, you know, but that's, I learned that a long time ago, da, da, you know, whatever it is, however, or, or that, that seems so insignificant, like, God, where's the big word? And it's like, you know where the big word is? It's hidden on the other side of obedience to the small one. Because why would he entrust us with something massive if we won't even take our shoes off? 
And so, like, I feel like there's, there's, there's things he's saying, like, and, and I'm telling you, like, if it's, look, if it's sin and you feel like, man, God's really calling me away from this sin, he's been calling you away from that sin forever. You're just hearing that right now. That's conviction. Step away from it quickly. But I feel like for more people, it's, okay, you're asking me to give something up that's good because you want me to make room for something that's better. It's not wrong. But once you've asked me to step away from it, once you've asked me to stop giving my time and attention, once you've asked me to let go of it, once you've asked me to stop doing it, if I continue, now it is wrong. Wherefore, there was a season where it wasn't. Now there's a season where there is because God has spoke. And that's why we have to be able to know that we hear his voice and know his voice and follow his voice. All right. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts nine. You guys doing good today? It's good to be here. I was in uh, New Hampshire last week and, um, uh, pastor David brought an awesome word here. I listened to it on my way home, um, Sunday and I thought it was so, so good. And, um, I was really, I was really encouraged by it. And, uh, for all 28 people that were here, I think they were really encouraged by it as well. Um, I had to scold because he said we would the next week and then he's not here this week to do it. So I'm doing it on his behalf. Um, we were in Ridge. We had a new year's Eve service up there. Them people are, are, are wild. Like I didn't start preaching until after 1030 at night. I was like, I was trying to figure out how I could like, can I preach before the worship just to make it a little bit earlier? Uh, but it was fun. It was awesome. Uh, and we had a great time up there and the church up there is doing well. Um, God is just doing amazing things and there's people's lives being transformed by the gospel of Jesus. And man, everyone up there was telling me how much they loved having pastor Steve and pastor David up there recently. And so I'm just thankful for what God is doing through so many people. I'm, I'm thankful that nothing is built on a person that everything is built on Jesus. And I'm thankful that like, if, if God is asking something, there's always everything we need to do it, even if we don't know that we have everything we need in the moment. And we can rest in that. We can rest in his faithfulness, not our preparedness. Um, so Acts 9 says this, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him in the synagogues, to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, I can't. Sorry, I, I don't feel like I'm supposed to preach that right now. Um, it's, an, it's, a, it's an amazing word that he gave me, and I'm, it's probably for next week, and I'm thankful that he did. But um, as I'm reading that, like my mind's just going blank. I have to go back into what we were talking about before because I, I just feel like that's what he wants me to talk about right now. I, I hope that's okay. Um, well, if it's not, it's going to happen anyways, and you'll just have to get over it. Good thing we've been talking about not being offended lately. Uh, <laughs> No, but see, here's the thing. It's like, I think that there are things in our lives where like, it might be something we fought for and it might be something that we contended for and it might be something we prayed for and it might have been a blessing at one time. But I feel like there's oftentimes where those things become something that God says, okay, now I want you to step away from that. I want you to give that up. I want you to let go of that because I have something else for you. 
And, and oftentimes we want to know, like, what is it? What do you have for me? Because I don't know if I want to let go of this until I know what you're asking me to let go of this to take a hold of. And, and it's like almost like we're bargaining with God. And it's like, okay, Lord, I know you're saying to let go of this. I know you're telling me to give this up. But, but I really like this. And I, if I'm being honest, I don't know if what you're asking me to give up is worth it for what you're offering or what you have for me. And so I want you to show me, and I just feel like there's so many times where we could get stuck there because God doesn't want it to be this bargaining system where like it doesn't require any faith from us and we have to know like it's an investment plan. Like God, I have this money and I'm willing to place it in, into what you're asking me to place it into, but I like the return that I'm getting here. I'm getting 10% here. Lord, if we're, are you gonna give me 12 because I don't even know if that's worth the hassle of, of, of setting up new accounts and fees I might accrue. How much? I, I, I might do it for 15. And I feel like the Lord's in heaven just with his arms like this, just looking at us saying, I'm asking you to take it from here and put it there. Okay, Lord, but, but here's the thing. I worked hard for that. And you blessed me in that. Like your hand was clearly on it. That wasn't my plan. The, the way that I got that, I, didn't, I wasn't working for it and striving for it. And, and I know that you were in it, Lord. And I know that you called me to that. And I know that you blessed it. And he's like, yep, I did. I did. And now I'm asking, will you take that and give that up so that I can show you what I have next for you. But I wanna know what it is. Well, the problem with that is that if I tell you what it is, then there's no faith required. And I really want you to live by faith. Stop elbowing each other. I can see it. Oh, look, now I'm not gonna elbow you anymore. I'll put my arm around you. I saw that too. No, but I, I, I like, I just know that I'm speaking directly to people that are in this room this morning or maybe they're watching online or maybe in our church family in Ringe when I'm saying that like, if, if comfort is more important than faith, we can only go so far in following Jesus. Like if me being comfortable is the altar that I will sacrifice having to live by faith on, then I may stay comfortable for a time, but I'll never go to the places that he's calling me to go to. And I won't do some of the things that he intended for me to do because there comes a time in our lives where like what used to take faith be, now becomes something that it, I don't need faith for anymore. It took faith for me to get there. It took faith for me to begin this thing. But now like I'm walking in it and I'm not saying I don't need faith as in I don't need God. What I'm saying is like, there's nothing that makes my toes tingle. Like I'm standing on the edge of a, of a cliff and he's asking me to jump anymore because it's become common. It's become routine and it's become something that I know. It's become familiar. It's become comfortable. And I feel like that, that right when I get to those places, oftentimes God starts leading me over to the edge of the cliff again. And I'm like, God, I, I like this spot right here. I made a house here. I made a home here. I have planted here and, and I like this. And he's like, yeah, I know, but just come over here. 
And now I'm standing on the edge again, and once again, my toes are tingling a little bit, and I've got that feeling of almost like, you know, being a little bit disoriented, and I'm standing on the edge of it, and he's saying, okay, like, like you got where you were by trusting me and putting your faith in me. Do you still trust, and, and will you put your faith in me that where I have for you is better than where you are right now? And it always is. But sometimes it doesn't look like what we thought. Sometimes he doesn't tell us as much information as we would want. It's like, like Moses is walking and he sees a bush and the bush is burning. And that's pretty amazing in and of itself. Because the bush is on fire. I'm sure that, you know, they had seen, you know, things were struck by lightning or combusted for other reasons. I'm sure they had seen something on fire in the desert here and there before. But this time, what was amazing was the fire was burning, but the bush wasn't being consumed. In other words, he's watching and the fire is just resting on this bush. It's not actually consuming this bush. The fire is coming from it, but it's not consuming it and destroying it on the way. And it's like, man, that's, that's, a, that's a picture of our lives in Jesus where it's like we're called to be set on fire for Jesus but not be destroyed by it. We're not supposed to burn out. We're not supposed to be consumed in the way that we become depleted to the point where we can no longer burn. We're supposed to be consumed by him but constantly filled by him so that we're never actually being burned out and left a shell of what was and a, mem- and, a, and a marker or a memory of what God did one time, that time, that day, those years. And so Moses sees this and that's pretty amazing. And so it says, and when he turned to give his attention to it, then he heard the bush begin to speak. And it's like, man, God could be over there like literally a fire that's not consuming something, a sign and a wonder going on. But until we actually give our attention to it and say, I got to go see what's happening. Like, I feel like that's the first step a lot of times in something like that. It's like, I got I to gotta see what God's doing. I, I got I to, you know, it's like, okay, I know I'm watching sheep and I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm following my stepfather's orders. Like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But there's something going on over here. There's something in my heart. There's something in his word, whatever it is. And it's like, I, I, I got to stop giving my attention to this thing for a moment because I feel like I need to put some attention and some, and some time here. And all of a sudden when he settles that I'm going to give this my attention instead of what I have been doing God begins to speak but it took him taking his attention off what he had been doing and giving his attention to what God was doing for him to hear the Lord speak and then he hears Moses Take your shoes off for the ground you're standing on is holy. And I feel like oftentimes that's where it ends for some people because I saw this miraculous sign and wonder. I knew it was the Lord. I stopped giving my attention to other things that were worth less than what he was saying or what he was doing. And I gave my attention and he spoke, but I didn't like what he said. Or it sounded so insignificant. I was like, oh, is that it?
And Moses hears this and he takes his shoes off and then God begins to speak to him. And God speaks to him and says, I have a plan for you. I've raised you to be this. You've known in your heart this is who you were supposed to be all along. But the problem sometimes with revelation without wisdom and without character, without relationship, is that we try to make that happen in our own strength. And so God had already revealed to Moses that he's supposed to be the one to deliver the people. And he knows this and he grows up in Pharaoh's house and he's waiting for that day to come. But he has a revelation apart from a relationship with the Lord, apart from the wisdom that he would need to be able to do what it was that God was calling him to. He wasn't yet the person that God was wanting him to be in order to do what it is that God created him to do. And so the first time he sees something that looks like his opportunity to be that man, he takes things into his own hands. And when he sees an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew, he strikes down and slays the Egyptian and buries him in the desert and rescues his brethren. And I, 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 I feel like in my own life, there's been times where I knew something God was asking of me and I saw what looked like an opportunity. And rather than making sure that this was not just what, but this was when God had it for me, I was gonna step into this thing and make it happen on my own. And it doesn't really work that well. And I feel like that happened to me a few times when I was just really starting in ministry. And I remember back then the Lord speaking to me and saying, listen, if you start something, you have to finish it. And I was thinking like, yeah, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I was like, I know I got to be a person of integrity and character. And if I start something, I have to finish it. And he said, no, 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 no. If you start something, it's up to you to finish it. If I start something, it's up to me to finish it. I am faithful to complete the good work that I began. I don't have an obligation to be faithful to complete the good work that you began. And so I did nothing. I just was like, okay. And I kind of stepped back from some things and started to pray and ask the Lord, what is it that you're doing? And I felt like and he started very quickly showing me the things that I was supposed to be giving my time and attention to that I couldn't because of the things that I was giving my time and attention to. And I learned really quickly that it's always better, even if I like what I'm doing, when he calls me to stop doing something, because what he has for me, even if it doesn't seem it in the moment, is always better than the thing he's asking me to give up. I know it may sound super simple to some of you guys, but I'm just telling you, like, there's, there might be some things that you've worked hard to achieve. There might be some things that you've worked hard to own. There might be some things that you have really, like, thought when I get this or when I get here or when I get there. And you get there and you get that or whatever it is. And then the Lord says, okay. I want that. 
And sometimes he doesn't even say, because I have something better. Sometimes he just says, I want that. Get behind me, Satan. This was the reward of the Lord. Because sometimes we think if it makes me uncomfortable, it has to be the enemy. Or if I don't like what he's saying, that it has to be the enemy. Or if I will say, well, I don't have peace. So it has to be the enemy because if it's God, there will always be peace. I'm telling you right now, when we're not submitted to listening to his voice, there will be an intense lack of peace in our lives. And it's not because it's the enemy. It's because until we say yes to what it is that he's asking, we won't be okay. There will be this struggle inside of us because we know what he's saying and we know what we want. And when those two things are in tension to one another, we can't have peace until we yield to him. And so if there's anyone in here that's been feeling that and you're like, I, I just, this, this can't be the Lord because I just don't have peace. Maybe consider that the lack of peace isn't because it's not him speaking. It's because there's something in me that doesn't want to yield to what he's saying. That peace actually comes not just by hearing his voice, but by saying yes to what it is his voice is saying. quick part of this and I'll, I'll preach the rest of it sometime God comes to Saul and speaks to him and Saul says who are you Lord and you know we talked about this before that you know Saul of anyone on earth at that point if you could know him through religious activity should have known the Lord a Pharisee of Pharisees, born on the right day to the right tribe, circumcised on the right day, raised under the best teacher, and had the pedigree that couldn't be matched by anyone on earth. In other words, if there was a way that I could know him through religious activity and effort of my own, Saul was the man who should have known the Lord more than anyone who was on the earth at that moment. And yet, in spite of all of that being true, when Jesus speaks to him, he says, who are you? He doesn't know him. He knows all about him. He doesn't know him. Because all of our human efforts will never equal a relationship. It can't. And so he, Saul gets blinded. The, the Lord speaks and says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you've been persecuting. And Saul gets blinded and he gets taken to a place and he's in a man's home and God appears to Ananias and he speaks to Ananias. You know, what's so funny is Ananias doesn't have the pedigree. Ananias doesn't have the background. Ananias wasn't as far as we know, a pupil of Gamaliel. He, he wasn't a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was just a man. And when God speaks to him and says his name, his response is, here I am, Lord. He actually knows it's the Lord. And so God says 
I need you to go to this town. I need you to go to this street. I need you to go to this home. And I need you to lay hands on a man there named Saul of Tarsus. For he has seen a vision of someone coming to pray for him to restore his sight for he's been blinded. And Ananias says, I have heard from many men of this Saul of Tarsus. Now he's been persecuting people. And how he has authority even now to hunt down any of those who are following you and have them bound. And it struck me when I was reading that because I've preached about Saul from Tarsus and I've preached about how he became Paul and all the the processes of that when I've preached out of Acts 9. But what struck me in this moment was how even though he said, here I am, Lord, even though he acknowledged that it was the Lord speaking, when God told him something super simple and super clear to do, and even told him that he had gone ahead and paved the way by giving Saul a vision of what he was asking Ananias to do. Like, it's the perfect setup. It's like, hey, go to, th-. it wasn't like a, a you know, come, come to, Ju- to Judea, I have something for you. It was like, go to this street and this house, and this is the guy's name, and this is what I want you to do. Like, wait more clear than God has been with me a lot of times when he's asked something of me. And then if that's not enough, he's like, oh, and by the way, just so you know, you're not going to get rejected when you go there. They're not going to look at you like you have 10 heads. You don't have to worry about being embarrassed and you don't have to worry about if what I'm asking you is actually going to happen because I've already given the one you're going to go there and do that to a vision of you coming and laying hands on him and his sight being restored. In other words, he's going to want what you have. He's blind right now, and I've already showed him in a vision that you're going to be the one that comes and and lays hands on him and restores his sight. So it's like, man, he knows it's the Lord speaking. He knows exactly what the Lord is asking of him, and yet his response to the Lord is what he's heard from many men. Well, I've, I've heard from many men. And as I was pondering that, I am going to get to it. Listen, real quick, you have to do something for me. We have our Sunday social right after this, okay? So when I get done praying and I say amen, the prayer team's going to be in that door. If you need to leave, go in that door. If you need prayer, I mean, go through that door and go to the left. If you're coming for the Sunday social, we're having it in the gym this time because it's raining outside and we don't want everyone getting wet. Just go right down these halls and follow that hallway to the stairway and go down into the gym and everything will be set up there and ready for you. Okay. I'm going to get to a little bit of it anyways. And this is what I wrote down. We can be like Ananias sometimes where when we read or hear the word of God and acknowledge it even that it's the Lord. Like all of us, when we read the word would say, this is the word of God. I believe everybody in this room would say that the Bible, the word of God is, is his word. It's, it's the, the, the inerrant spirit inspired word of God. And so just like Ananias, when we open up the Bible or when someone speaks scripture to us, we, re, we, we acknowledge that it's the Lord speaking. See, if Ananias doesn't say, here I am, Lord, then his response makes more sense because this could just be what he ate last night, you know, having him, he's having a dream. But he clearly understands this is the Lord. He clearly knows that. And so that's what makes his response so intriguing to me is that he's just heard what God said and his response is to tell him what he's heard from other people about this man. 
And, and I, I just, as I was reading that, it gripped me, and I, this is what I wrote, that we can be like Ananias sometimes where when we read or hear the word of God and even acknowledge that it's the Lord, sometimes when what the Lord says confronts something that we thought or believed, our response is shaped by what we've heard from many men, from worldly wisdom, from our feelings, I'm sure it was probably a little scary for him thinking, this guy's here on a mission. We've heard the reason that he's here. He tells the Lord this. He says, I've heard from many men how he's been persecuting people. And even now he has authority to go and bind people up. I'm sure that when God said that to Ananias, it brought some fear up in him because it's like, what if I go there and Saul snatches me up and has me bound and sends me back to Jerusalem in chains? Like I'll never see my family again. I'll never see my children again. Like this could cost me my life. I'm sure there were some feelings that this word of the Lord brought up in him. What happens when, when we read the word and it confronts my feelings or it confronts my belief system or it confronts what I've heard from many men? And the Lord... I'm going to save that because it's too much, but the Lord says, he's a chosen instrument of mine to exalt my name. He tells Ananias, he says, you know what? He doesn't even like, he doesn't even get into whether or not what Ananias said was true about who Saul used to be. See, when, when, when we feel like maybe the Lord's asking something from us, especially if it involves another person or, or, or something like that, oftentimes we can think about, well, what have I heard about that person? Or what do I know? Or what have I seen about that person? And, and, and we make whether what we've been told about them, whether it's true or not, the litmus test for whether or not we'll be obedient to what God is saying. And God doesn't even respond. He doesn't even say like, yeah, that's all true, but I'm changing him. He doesn't even speak to who Saul was. He says, listen, Ananias, you're going to have to decide. What you've heard, what you've seen, what you've felt, all of that stuff, what many people have told you, the well-traveled path, the wisdom of this world, the advice that you've been given, whatever that looks like in your life, whatever the many men thing would be that rises up when you feel like well, what God is speaking to you out of his word or out of something you hear someone say or, or in, in, in him, just the spirit of God inside of you, you're going to have to decide because God isn't bartering with him. He just says, listen. He's a chosen instrument of mine. In other words, you know what? I don't really care what everybody said. I'm telling you who he is now. I don't care what he did. I'm telling you what he's going to do. And I just love Ananias' response. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And as I was preparing this, I felt like more than the voice of many men, that sometimes when the Lord is speaking to us about things that he wants us to do or things he has for us to do or he's asking us to do something, there's the voice of one man that rises up with all the reasons that I can't do what it is that he's asking. And it's nobody outside, it's me. 
It's Moses. Lord, I, I know what you're asking. I see your power. I yield and I say this is you, but I can't speak well. I, I, I'm, I'm, I stutter. I can't. And for us, I don't know that it's always a stutter or a speech impediment or any of those things that rise up. I think that what happens is, is that the memory of who we were rises up in accusation and we tell the Lord as if he doesn't know who he's talking to, the reasons why who I've been or what I've done would keep me from what he's asking of me. And I feel like, I don't know. I just know that I know that he's asking something of you, of me, of us. And I feel like whatever it is might confront the words we've heard from many men, the wisdom of the world, the counsel, of the ungodly. And we're gonna have to, like Ananias, decide if this is you, Lord. And see, you you notice God doesn't smite Ananias when Ananias says, but I've heard from many men, like he's okay with you telling him how you feel. As long as when he speaks, what he says next trumps how you feel. And the response is obedience. He didn't mind. He didn't say, Ananias, you unbeliever. I can't believe I woke you up. I should have woke somebody else up. He doesn't scold him. And he doesn't argue with him about whether or not what he was saying about Saul was true. He's not debating him. He just says, this is who he is. And once he hears God speak and say who he is, everything else vanishes and Ananias gets up and goes. And I feel like for some of us, sometimes we know what God is saying, we know what God is asking, and yet the voice of one person, our own, keeps us from believing that it could really be me, he could really do that, I haven't done this, I have done that, all that stuff. And and you know what, you can stand before the Lord and you can tell him all those reasons, but what we do next is super important is that when you hear him speak and say, I've called you righteous. I've set you apart. I've anointed you. That that voice would trump any of the other voices that we're listening to in that moment. And that we would respond with obedience to whatever it is that he's asking. So I just, if you would just stand, I just wanna pray over us right now. I feel, I I just, I feel a weight and a sobriety on this. Don't despise it because it's not something huge. Don't despise it because it's not go lay hands on a blind man and I'm gonna give him his sight. Because the truth of the matter is, is he may be asking you to do something small so that it can pave the way for him to ask you to do something bigger. You know how you are faithful with little things? Don't ever think of them as little things. It says he's faithful with little, we ruler over much. The way that we're faithful with little is not see it as little and be waiting for the much, but actually stay faithful to the little. 
And then we'll never have to worry about the fact that we weren't faithful with the little things because everything is a big thing. If we're judging them and saying, well, I know this is a little thing, but I'll be faithful because I want to get to the much, we probably won't be as faithful as we could be. But if we see it as this is what God is asking of me, this is the biggest thing in my life right now, we'll be so faithful every single time. And at the end of our lives, we may look back and go, yeah, that was a little thing that I was faithful with that led to this. But man, if we're treating it that way now, we'll never give it our attention, our time, our our like devotion that we could if we saw this as like, this is the biggest thing. So what's the biggest thing that God asked of Moses when he said, take off your shoes? It was just to take off his shoes. That's the biggest thing in life right then because it's the only thing God was asking of him. So what is it that God's asking of you? Don't look at it as a little thing. It's the biggest thing in your life because it's what God is asking of you. And talk to him if you need to about why. But just realize this, he's not gonna change his mind. And when he speaks, he probably won't even argue with you about all your reasons. He'll probably just say, I don't even care about that. This is who he is. This is who you are. Yep, you were, yep, all that stuff, whatever. I'm not here to discuss your past. I'm not here to discuss your inadequacies. I'm not here to discuss any of that stuff with you because he doesn't argue with Ananias. He just tells Ananias, you know what? This is who he is now and this is who he's going to become. I just need you to do what I'm asking of you. And so whatever it is that the Lord's been asking of you, it's not a little thing. It's the biggest thing in the world because it's God asking. So Father, I just pray right now that we would, we would come to you with our reasons if we feel like we need to. But when you respond, that we would believe your voice over any of our reasons. That your voice would silence my voice if my voice would speak in opposition to what you're saying. That your voice would silence the voice of many men if what many men have said would be in opposition to what you're saying. And that my response, our response would be obedience. Fully trusting fully believing that if you said it, it has to be, it must be in Jesus name. Amen.